Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, February 20th. You've got to love the tennis world, folks. Here I was thinking after 10 days on the road at the ITA Men's and Women's National Indoor Championships at the inaugural Kentucky Open, I would experience some sort of tennis hangover. It just wouldn't be the same for me being home, not being at these events, being immersed in tennis all day long. But of course, the tennis world is the gift that keeps on giving the huge event this year, a oh, week on the WTA Tour in Dubai, three ATP-level events, the 500 in Rio, two 250s going on as well, Grand uh, Drummondsville, excuse me, challenger in Canada. There's tennis galore, and so we have so much to discuss here at the mini break. There's never a dull moment during the tennis season. Before we discuss the most recent events, I have to remind you listeners, today's podcast brought to you by our friends at Diadem. Diadem on the forefront of all innovations in racket and string technology happening in tennis right now. And look, you know the deal. The racket you play with is the most personal choice you can make on a tennis court. It's going to dictate how confident you're feeling. If you're just not feeling good about your stick, you don't think the ball's going where you want it to go, the power's off, the placement's off, you're just not going to be happy with your game. Well, we know our friends at Diadem are coming up with this stuff right now that will make you feel confident not only in your game, but that you're taking a step forward. Uh, with their gear that diadem elevate rack and not only is it a you know just gorgeous aqua blue but it's the racket for you and if you use our promo code cr50 50 off your orders from diadem so a little easier on your wallet as well your tennis is going to be better you're just going to be feeling confident about your game so be sure to go give our friends at diadem a look you can go to their website diademsports.com and again we thank them for their continued support of this podcast that being said I mean, again, where to even start with the tennis world? There's so many little different results. We talked yesterday about what's going on across the ATP, how it feels like we really are seeing this generation of 18 that might be a little bit young, although I suppose Brandon Nakashima, who we'll talk about in a little bit, is still 19. But those 19 to 24-year-olds really cementing themselves in that top 70 range, top 40 as you move up the rankings. But they're making quarterfinals now of ATP 250s, ATP 500s, week in, week out. And I think that's what we should be expecting of them at this point. So great to see those results on the ATP side. But the place I need to start is again in Dubai with the WTA tournament going on there last year. It was Belinda Bencic who began really her breakthrough in 2019, breakthrough in the terms of she got her season going. We had all seen her level before she had suffered injuries uh, that kind of threw off her momentum, but that's really where she broke through, re-cemented herself as a contender uh, in each and every WTA event. This year, really interesting results thus far. And because of the time difference, because of when I'm recording this, there will have already been, I think, two of the quarterfinal matches that have happened. And so that's what I want to talk about in Dubai, because uh, I talked about the round of 16 when we recorded this yesterday. Uh, But two notable results thus far. Let's start with Elena Rybakina, uh, who, you know, the Kazakh sensation has been so good to start this 2020 season. She uh, be, she is now all the way up to a career high of number 18, uh, the 20-year-old making the semifinals here. Uh, you look at who she's beaten along the way. I mean, what a result for Elena Rybakina, and I, I believe it's Rybakina, not Rybakina, or maybe it's Rybakina. I, I don't, I know it's not 
It's not Rybakina. It's, I believe, Rybakina. And look at who she's beaten along the way to get to the semifinals here. It doesn't matter how you're going to pronounce her name. When she's putting up results like this, you can just call her champ. I mean, she beats Sophia Kennan three sets first round, beats Sinyakova three and three today, seven six six three over Karolina Pliskova, who she just hit off the court. And with all due respect, you know, Karolina Pliskova, She's not too shabby herself in terms of firepower, in terms of serve plus one. You float a return off of her first serve. She's going to capitalize and attack. Uh, but Ryba Kenna was just so good off of both wings, in particular that backhand. If you give her any sort of floater, and you know when she's landing her first serve in this match, 36 of 45 on those first serve points, 80% win percentage. She'll go big cross-court. She'll go big down the line. You think you're in a backhand cross-court exchange with her. She's going to rip one cross-court that you can't even get to, or she's going to get you so stretched she's going to have you know two-thirds of the courts to play with with her next forehand put away, and she was so effective at doing that today. One thing to note, she got the job done despite not serving well. I mean, she only made 46.9% of her first serves, 45 of 96. She only won 47% of her second serve points, 24 of 51. For Pliskova, she made 57.4% of her first serves, won 67-ish percent of those points, 26 of 39. Uh, But again, when Pliskova would float a second serve, Rybakina would attack Pliskova only 13 of 29 on those second serve points. You look at the margins in these match. You know, the big stat for Rybakina in this one, she saves nine of the 10 break points she faced for Carolina Pliskova. She saved six uh, of the eight, but that one break of serve in the second set making all the difference in the world. And Rybakina gets it done. You can understand how she's able to win a match where she only wins, you know, 14 more points than Pliskova in straight sets. And it's because of the confidence she's built up this year. She went to Shenzhen to start the season, made a final there. Wins in Hobart the next week. Third round Australian Open last week. She made a final in St. Petersburg. She just... She hasn't been losing much, and when you have that sort of confidence, that's how you can execute in the tightest moments of the match. She continues to do that. Her firepower right up there with the Andrescu's and the Sabalenka's of the world. I mean, this young 20-year-old's a stud, and she has looked so good thus far in 2020. She's made us all take notice. Obviously, Sophia Kennan, the result of the you know the breakthrough performance of the season thus far by winning her first slam. But Rybakina's 1A. I mean, her performance, because it's been just week in, week out, it reminds you of what you know Medvedev did at the end of last season on the ATP side, how Tsitsipas started his year last year, felt like just winning everything, all of these big breakthroughs. That's what Rybakina's doing right now on the WTA Tour, so certainly I am one to take notice. Someone else who has looked equally exceptional, uh, Jennifer Brady who, again, makes the semi or the quarterfinals here, excuse me, in uh, Dubai as she knocks out Australian Open finalist Garbine Muguruza uh, in three sets here. Jennifer Brady, a 6-7, 6-3, 6-4 winner. Let's start with the most notable stat in this match. Jennifer Brady, 99 of 197 total points. Muguruza, 98 of 197 points, folks. This is as close as you can get. And once again, Jennifer Brady saves 9 of 10 break points in this match. That's different because Muguruza only able to save 2 of 6 for Brady. Only made 59% of her first serves, won 68% of those points, 58% of her second serve points. She only got broken once. She did a really good job of extending Muguruza, attacking with her first ball, you know, not just sitting back. And look at the wins. 
Jennifer Brady's had. She comes through qualifying in this tournament, knocks off uh, Svitolina first match, Von Drusova in the second one. Now Muguruza here in three sets. That just adds on to her year. Uh, yes, she lost first match last week uh, to Kuznetsova uh, in St. Petersburg, and she lost that first round to Simona Halep. But, you know, you date back to Brisbane where she beat Mary, Maria Sharapova, which not that great of a win in 2020, but still mentally she gets that when she knocks off Ashley Barty. That's an exceptional win in 2020. We might be seeing a breakthrough from Jennifer Brady here making a push, and you look at where she's at in the rankings right now. Jennifer Brady up to a career high of number 45, and given if she's 24, turning 25 this year, she did play college tennis at UCLA, so she is now fully acclimated. This will be her third you know, full year, I think, playing WTA events. Certainly last year she got to play a bunch of them down the home stretch. Uh, it would not shock me at all to see her sustain this top 50 ranking. Just so solid in so many different ways. Can play the big plus one tennis. Stays calm under those pressure moments. Has the serve that can win her free points or at least set up early first ball opportunities. She moves well. Really good performance from Jennifer Brady who continues uh, to look good in this 2020 season. So that's the two big results I wanted to talk about thus far. We also have Petra Marcic knocked out Annette Conteve, 7-6-6-1. Simona Halep right now down a set but up a break on Sabalenka, uh, 3-6. I believe she's up 40-15, 4-4-1. So we'll talk about those two matches maybe tonight with James Foster McDonald on that mini break podcast. That's the action in Dubai, and I do think I missed some of them. So just a reminder, Conteve to get there, 6-5. and five over Pavlochenkova, Sabalenka, 4-3 and three over Mertens for Martic, 3-3 three and three over Stritskova, Muguruza, a nice win for herself yesterday, 7-5-4-6-6-4 over Kudermatova, and then I already mentioned the Brady win over Von Drusva. didn't think we'd mention those yesterday, but that's the action in Dubai, and that's setting up to be a really fun uh, group of quarterfinal matches, or maybe it's, are we on semifinals now? Yeah, semifinal matches, so right now the semifinals uh, are looking like it will be Jennifer Brady taking on the winner of that Halep Sabalenka match. Petra Marcic versus Rybakena. That's a really fun one. Probably leaning Rybakena in that one. She has been that good. If she can win Dubai now as well, I mean, that would be a special start uh, to her 2020 season. So looking forward to that one for sure. Uh, that's the big action on the WTA Tour right now. Let's now look at the ATP stuff. Let's go you know, by order of the size of the tournament. Let's start with the ATP 500 in Rio, and I mentioned this yesterday. It's kind of weird that we're already at the clay portion of the year. feels like we got to that so fast, and it hasn't surprised me at all to see the people who have stepped up in this part of the season already. Christian Guerin who, dating back to last year, I think made three finals on the dirt in the lead-up to the French Open here. He makes a quarterfinal, knocking off Federico Del Bonis, 6-4, 6-3. I mean, he moves well. He changes direction with the ball well. He's comfortable hitting off of both wings, can play six feet behind the baseline as well as take balls early, take time away from you, get you stretched. I mean, the Garen first serve very similar aesthetically, I've mentioned before, to Stan Wawrinka, but it's gotten more and more effective in this match. He only made 57% of his first serves, but he won 82% of those first serve points, 62% of his second serve 
points. He's really does an effective job with his plus one ball, even if it's not a winner, just gets a good job of getting his opponent stretched, moving certainly even on play, changing directions, uh, which is that much more important. He didn't face a break point today. That's a testament to how well he, he was serving against a guy in Del Bonis who can certainly work you on a clay court for Del Bonis. Uh, though just not enough weapons to hurt Garen. So he advances in straight sets. He's now going to take on Frederico Cora, who ends the run of 16-year-old Carlos Alcaraz, 6-4, uh, Feels worth noting, again, for the 16-year-old to battle that sort of way uh, in that match after playing as physical of a match as he did in his first round. I mean, for Alcaraz, the, tell me if this sounds like a 16-year-old or not. Only makes 59% of his first serves, wins 75% of his those points, so speaks to his talent, but 13 of 33, 39% on the second serve. I mean, you know, he has 14 break points for himself, but only converts four. That's the telltale signs of, yeah, First of all, for Alcaraz, what a performance here this week. You know, let's be perfectly clear. This is not to take away anything from the 16-year-old who right now is sitting at number 313 in the rankings. That's a new career for him by far, um, and it's a testament to his talent. But, you know, those are the sort of things when you're looking at what is he going to get better at, all of that and more. He's going to make more first serves. He's going to convert in the bigger moments as he has more ATP match experience. A good on Federico Correa, uh, who, again, Clay Court veteran knows how to move his opponents. He did the smart thing when you're playing a young guy. Even if you're taking a little juice off that first serve, he made 79% of them, won 61% of those points. He goes an efficient 5 of 9 on break points, which ultimately is enough to get the job done. And again, total points, they both won 96 points. For the 16-year-old to play, Federico Correa, who, you know, isn't exactly a top 75 player Correa right now 103 which is a new career high for him in the rankings for the 28 year old Uh, but that's a really good result for the young 16 year old Carlos Alcaraz who again I think now has thrown himself on a list with so many of these young guys as just another young player to monitor over this 2020 season Uh, so that was the big result there Uh, the other two results Attila uh, Belal's Takes out Diego Montiero, 166-164. Pedro Martinez, 6-164. Over Paulo Antahar today in Rio. We're going to get some fun matches up top of the draw. Dominic Team, Haumi Munar. That's a must-watch. Team, slight favorite, just given the weapons, although it'll be see- interesting to see uh, where his knee is at after he, I believe, had it taped in that round of 16 match. We've also got Zhao Dominguez, again, Gianluca Manger. Uh, on the bottom, Borna Choric, really fun match for him against another young player, this time the young Brazilian, Tego Sabeth Vild. We all remember his match versus Davidovich Fokina Choric, just desperate to find any sort of confidence. So, you know, he, he wants this match uh, as badly as any in playing a young guy. That's that extra motivation to say, hey, not yet, yet, whippersnapper, you know, for Choric. He's now entered the veteran role. Uh, which is crazy to think since I think he's still only 23, turning 24 this year. Uh, but that's going to be a fun one as well. And then on the bottom half, the Deuce, Dusan Lajevic taking on Lorenzo Sinego. So that's the action going on in Rio, in Marseille, the ATP 250 going on this week indoors. I want to note that it's indoors because we had a shocking upset. Uh, isn't even an upset at this point. Vashik Pospisil, uh, another fin- phenomenal win for him in this indoor hardcourt stretch. He takes out QB Hercatch. Six three six four. I mean, 
you know what a good Pospisil indoors performance looks like. He's taking returns big and early. He's moving forward. Uh, he's protecting his first serve and serving and fouling when he can, playing the big serve plus one. In this match, he made 66% of his first serves, won 80% of those points, 57% of his second serve points, saved all four break points he faced. More importantly, created eight break chances for himself, gets one break in each set. That's good enough for a 3-4 and four win over Hubie Hercatch, who did not serve well in this match, made only 48% of his first serves. Yeah, he won 68% of his, those points, won 53% of his second serve points, but when you're playing Vashik Pospisil, you just can't give him that many looks at a second serve, and in a break where, in a match where two breaks made the difference, that's what gets the job done. Welcome to the ATP Tour, my friend. So, interesting note there, Vashik Pospisil continues, again, his outstanding form. You look at where he's at right now in the rankings. Uh, he is all the way up uh, to number 90, uh, which for him, you know, back inside the top 100 after the long layoff of with injuries, almost 30 years old. So, you know, for him to make this push, a guaranteed slam entrance now for him into the French, hopefully into Wimbledon as well. I don't know how many points he has to defend, but I don't think it's many. Uh, he's going to have a chance to make a big jump here early on in 2020. So another great result for him elsewhere. Sasha Bublik, 3-6-6-4-6-4 over Benoit Pair in a match was that was just as weird as you'd expect. Uh, Pierre Herbert, 6-4 over Kukushkin. Gerasimov, 6-3 over Denis Novak. Uh, Stefano Tsitsipas, uh, the last notable result, 1-3, really takes care of the young Swede, Mikhail Yimmer. Thought Yimmer was going to give him more problems, but it was just Tsitsipas day. He was attacking, he was aggressive, he was confident, he did all of the things uh, you love to see from Stefano Tsitsipas to get that win. And then the last one, FAA, Felix Ogier Aliassim, coming off of a final at the ATP 500 in Rotterdam. He kicks off his campaign here, 6-7, 7-6, win, the sign of a veteran, winning when you're not playing your best, possibly... Uh, FAA, excuse me, not playing his best in this one, in my opinion. Uh, just looked. He did make 74% of his first serves, won 82% of those points. Again, that's doing the little things well, making your first serve, protecting it. But 10 of 32 on the second serve, you know, he faced and 10 break points, saved nine of them. That was good enough. But uh, he got pushed in this one, and I think is a testament to his serve, his forehand, his ability to grind, uh, you know, play that off-gear tennis that and eventually just overwhelming Trevicalia. Uh, uh, but a good win for FA, who again was not at his best. And you look at now where we're at in the draw. That sets up some really fun matches for today later on. It's going to be Herbert versus FAA. Gofen going to take on Gerasimov. I believe at the time of recording this, uh, Jill Simone alias Ben Bedene going to taking on now and then. Really fun one as well. Medvedev, Yannick Sinner. Sinner's going to give him troubles, but you know Medvedev's looking to bounce back. So. Is, is it possible it goes three sets? Absolutely. Am I still leaning Medvedev? Definitely. I just, I don't, I think he's going to expose Sinners. Uh, the fact that he's 19 years old, or almost 19 years old, and he's not the same sort of athlete Daniil Medvedev is right now, but still, it's a really fun week of, uh, day of action in Marseille. And then the last ATP tournament, I have to talk about the action in Del Rey. Marseille, Del Rey, hip, hip, hooray. Um, let's talk a little bit about Del Rey because it, it, I mentioned this yesterday on Twitter. Uh, for those of you who don't follow, it's at Great Shot Pod uh, for my personal thoughts, I suppose. Um, and you look at the draw. I mean, 13 of the 16, I think Mike Cation commented on my tweet, played on the ATP Challenger Tour as recently as the past two years. And 
you know, the group of matchups we have there in that round of 16, Paul Tiafo, Kasmanovic, Umbert, Nori Nakashima, Ruben Nishioka, Senwu Kwan, Ryan Harrison, Mackie McDonald, Riley Opelka, you know, Sock Steve Johnson and Steb Raonic, fine. If you want to say in the past two years, they've played mostly ATP matches, um, or even the past five, I suppose. When you really start to talk about Sock Johnson and Raonic, that's fair, but this tournament feels like graduation. feels like all the guys have you know, advanced past, with all due respect, the high school level and moved on to college. Like, this is the big time, or maybe college to the pros, but college to the pros just doesn't feel as right. This this metaphor for me, it's like, yeah, everyone's gone. Everyone's up to bigger and better things. And it's a testament to all of their success. That's not to diminish the people at the challenger level who continue to display uh the highest level of tennis. I mean, challenger level tennis continues to get better and better and better and better. It's the fact that Tennis Sandgren at the end of 2019 was competing at the challenger level, and then you see him make a quarterfinal at the Australian Open. It's a testament to how small the margins are between these players, but it's also a testament to all of these guys that they've consistently made that push, that they find themselves in a position now to be competing at the ATP 250 level. It's going to lead to a really fun weekend of results there uh, in terms of what we got yesterday. Brandon Nakashima, first ATP Tour event, first ATP Tour quarterfinal. He knocks out Cam Nori, 7-5-6-2. What was most impressive, Nori just really couldn't hurt him. And I mean, Nakashima didn't serve particularly well, only made 51% of those first serves, but he won 75% of those first serve points, won 67% of his second serve points, only faced two break points on the day. Now, Nori did get a break for Nakashima. He had four breaks of serve in this one, created seven chances for himself. I mean, the Nori first serve, Nakashima just got clean looks, and, you know, we've talked about him plenty on this podcast before, but he just plays so big from the baseline, so solid off of both wings. There was this one half volley winner, I think Double Fault tweeted it out, I believe. This had to have been a Dalton tweet from Crack Rackets because it was just nasty, and then period, and, you know, eloquent as always, Dalton Thienman. Love you, DT. Um, But, yeah, I mean, it was nasty. And, I mean, Brandon Nakashima is just an incredible talent. The last year, spent a year getting, you know, maturing in college. He's now 19 years old. He's just, you know, so good. And the challenger circuit down the stretch of 2019 was making quarterfinals, semifinals every week. And, you know, he's already raced up. Sorry, he's 18 years old still. Let's be clear. You want to know why he went to college? Because he's not even 19 yet. And for Brandon Nakashima, already inside the top 200 now at a new career high with this quarterfinal of 254. I mean, he's going to start getting into slam qualities before you know it. That's got to be his goal, I'm sure. And considering, <coughs> excuse me, he has no points to defend between now and the end of the college season, really. I mean, he could find himself in the top 200 with just a couple of more wins on the Challenger Tour just because every win he gets is points added, free points added to his record. I don't know how anyone can watch him play and not expect him to be inside the top 200 by the end of the year. And for a 19-year-old, or 18-and-a-half, 19-year-old to be in that range already speaks to the former World Junior, I think, number three, maybe World Junior number two's talent. It's why so many of us have been so excited about his future for so long. Uh, That was only one fun match. You know, you look elsewhere, it's great to see Mackie McDonald back on court. Unfortunately for him today, Riley Opelka gets the better of him three and four. I mean... I think we all know what a Riley Opelka performance looks like, just serves you off the court. Uh, Yoshi Nishioka, 6-1, 6-2, over qualifier Noah Rubin. I mean, both of those guys, 
you know, uh, they're going to work you around the court. They're going to try and make the match physical. Nishioka, just too many skills, did a great job of just, you know, I, I don't think Ruben's ball did, did enough to hurt Nishioka, and so Nishioka just did a really good job of moving Ruben around the court, keeping him on the defensive the entire time. And then our last result yesterday, Sun Wukwan, uh, 6-4, 3-6, 7-6, third set buster winner over Ryan Harrison. Look, when you have the confidence of Sun Wukwan, who I think was a quarterfinalist last week in New York, lost 7-6 in the third to Edmund. I mean, this is this you come through in the clutch. And for Kwan, you know, created 12 break chances for himself, only converted three, which was the same as Ryan Harrison. But you talk about total points, Kwan 106, Harrison 98. Kwan got it done in the big moments, made 60% of his first serves, won 75% of those points, 57% of his second serve points. And the difference between them, he was able to attack the Ryan Harrison second serve. Harrison going 19 of 43, only 44% win percentage on those second serves. He missed a couple of first serves in the third set breaker. That's how Kwan was able to get it, th- uh, win it 7 0. Uh, when, you know, those are the margins in pro tennis. So Sunu Kwan, uh, great aggression from him in the clutch. And he makes another quarterfinal here this week in Del Rey. Uh, it's going to be a really fun day of uh, the second half of our round of 16, though, in Del Rey because. We've got some fun ones today. Let's start with the boring bottom half, and these are the boring ones. Remember, Jack Sock versus Steve Johnson. You know, if this was 2015, hello. Uh, But in 2020, that match, a little bit less exciting, but still interesting for a variety of reasons. You've got Cedric Marcel Steb taking on Milos Raonic. Not going to lie, that's by far the least interesting match on the day because on the top half, you get the next-gen battles you deserve, folks. Ugo Umbert, Miomir Kesmenovic, two participants in last year's next-gen finals. Um, you know, Umbert has had a great start to his year. Kasmanovic was rock solid before the Australian Open. These are two guys. You look at where they're at in the ATP rankings right now. Kasmanovic, number 46. Ugo Umbert can't be far behind. In fact, he might even be ahead of him, and he is number 44. You know, both those guys under the age of 22. Uh, so, Really, you throw them in the grouping you have with any of these young talents and to watch them indoor hard courts. That's going to be a fun one. Kasmanovic, a grinder, Umbert, the talented lefty, plays a little bit bigger. Going to be a fun contrast of styles. I'm leaning Kasmanovic on the outdoor hard courts, but, you know, that I'd take three sets either way. And then prime time. Tommy Paul versus Francis Tiafo. I, I can't remember the last challenger they played at. I remember it being a late-night match. It might have been in Champagne. I think Tiafo won it in three sets. But, um, you know, this is going to be a battle. You know, these are two guys at completely different places right now. Tommy Paul on the ascension. He's finally healthy. He's finally inside the top 100 all the way up to his career high right now of number 65. He takes advantage of Kyrgios pulling out to get that first round win in his match. But for him, everything is, you know, it's his first ride in playing these ATP events week in, week out. For Francis Tiafo, you know, he's number 80 right now in the rankings. He needs these wins to stay inside the top 100 so that he can continue to get in to any ATP 250 event he enters so that he can get in to Indian Wells and Miami qualifying so he doesn't have to go play other events during those times. He wants to play those Masters events. Uh, Delray's was seen of his first ATP title, and it would be, you know, for him, nothing would reset, would get things uh, back up into where they need to be to sort of kickstart his 2020 campaign. You know, that round of 16 win, his first ATP win of the season came over Emilio Gomez or win at the ATP 250 or higher, higher level. Uh, he needs these wins. And so this is a match between two. It's, it's just going to be fascinating to see. And obviously these guys are close friends, no secrets between their two games. Um, I think this is going to be a battle. I think three sets, 
Uh, I'm probably mm, I'm leaning Tommy Paul, but a desperate Francis Tiafo is a monster. I'm looking forward to watching play. Uh, so this is going to be a battle. No pick from me. I'm too biased one way or the other. I will note though, it's it seems particularly notable. Sun Wukong, number 75, the 22 year old. That's a career high. Mikhail Yimmer, who we talked about a little bit earlier, he's number 72. Just listen to these players ranked number 72 through 75. Mikhail Yimmer. 21 years old. Courtney Moutet, 20 years old. He's 73. Yannick Sinner, number 74. He's 18 years old. Sun Wu Kwan, 22 years old. He's uh, number 75. I mean, come on. It's happening in front of our eyes, folks. This is the generational shift we've been waiting for. And of course, a lot of those players got their starts at the challenger level, something I'm just keeping my eye on. A really fun batch of events in Drummondsville. Uh, Arthur Rinderneck, Michael Moe, Dominic Kofor, Watanuki, Corda Purcell, uh, Cressy Caruana, Roberto Sid, Liam Brody. A lot of fun results going on there. So for those of you who are bored throughout the day, livestream.com backslash ATP. uh, Just for even more tennis uh, in case you don't have your fix already. But that's the rundown for now. We am looking forward to getting someone else back on these mini breaks with me. Jamie McDonald should be joining me tonight for a recap of those thrilling Delray quarterfinals of what those final two uh, matches, or I guess that final match really for Halep and uh, who is Halep playing and Sabalenka in Dubai. We'll talk about that. And maybe set the scenes of some of the players who have stood out to us since that Australian Open and more on tonight's mini break. But if you've missed any of our coverage. From the past week, and we were on the road for a while, and there was a lot of cool, you know, a lot of cool interviews at the Kentucky Open. Players like Claire Lou, Francois Zabanda, uh, Madison Brangle, and more. You can go check those out on our Cracked Interviews podcast. Any of the interviews we did at the National Indoors, of course, as well with all of those college coaches and players. If college tennis is your thing, I promise we have the content for you right now. Be sure to check out our website, crackrackets.com. I'll remind you all, thanks to our friends at Aerobar, we've got pro gear to give away. Signed shirts from John Isner, Steve Johnson. If you want to sign up for that competition, leave a review on any of our podcasts. The more you leave, the more times your name will be entered into the competition. Uh, So please go do that for us. It would be uh, tremendously, uh, we'd be quite grateful and of course we are so grateful at our to our friends at Aerobar uh, for the opportunity to get some free gear in the hands of you listeners also have to mention uh, we launched a Patreon, and it's because we are on the road more often. We're able to get more content, you know. Uh, you know, but being on the road it has expenses, so we had had to put up some subscriber paywall. Though with that paywall, know that you're getting the real deal. You're going to get unedited podcasts. So if you want to hear me say, "Hey, Daniel Westhoff, Max Ligner's our super producers. What a f- of an editing job they have to do!" Only without that quack. Uh, you get to do that by signing up for our Patreon. You get early release, early access to the interviews we're doing in person. So a lot of these interviews released as Cracked Interviews podcasts. You want to see us talking to these coaches on video, see their body language when I ask some of my stupid questions. Uh, You can do that by subscribing to our Patreon, of course, and we are so grateful to so many of you that have already subscribed, people such as Ann Schechter, um, you know, people like Bobby Knight, who, of course, we love here uh, for his work uh, that he's done, of course, covering the game that we love so dearly in college tennis. But, uh, you know, thank you to all those Patreon subscribers right now. In fact, let me just run through some of the list. Uh, people like, of course, Sarah Beatty, how could I forget, Steve Belsito, Tim Fletchall, Tiffany Cacciatore, Todd Wojcikowski, uh, Bill Carey, Dan Beatty, Debbie McDonald, Jill Markwitz, Matt Williams, and the one-namer himself, just Nicholas, N-I-C-H-O-L-A-S. 
Uh, seriously, thank you to all of you thus far who have given to Patreon. Have to give a shout out, of course, to my older brother Eric, who begrudgingly gave as well. Not begrudgingly, I didn't want to tell him about it because it just didn't feel fair if we're getting money from family. I'm like, oh, I got to get you a gift now, too. Like, that's no fun. But, Eric, I love you as well. So, thank you for doing that. And, seriously, that kiss goes out to all of you patrons. Uh, we seriously can't say how much we appreciate your effort. Matt Williams forgot to throw him in, of course, as well. Um, seriously, that we do this content for you listeners and to have the sort of reception we've gotten over the past couple of weeks uh, means the world to us. So with that in mind, though, I'm going to wrap this one up for our super producers, Max Flader and Daniel Westoff, our friends at Aerobar uh, and Diadem. And again, the promo codes for them, uh, Cracked30 and CR50, respectfully. And for all of us, here at Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say? That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.